Hello, I'm Dan Rowden and this is episode 4 of Mag Heroes, a new audio show all about magazines and the people who make them. You can listen to previous episodes at magheroes.net or subscribe in iTunes or any good podcast application. My guest this week is Alec Dudson, editor of UK-based Intern Magazine, a new magazine focused on the world of interning, both highlighting some of the amazing work done by interns as well as trying to spark the debate about intern culture. I've changed the format slightly with this episode. I realised a lot of good, valuable conversation with my guests was happening before and after I hit record. This week I pressed record soon after the start of my call with Alec and kept this in a formal intro until after our chat. Enjoy the show. So how did you get into magazines and did you study anything uh, around magazines and design uh, or not? not? Not at all. I, um, I studied sociology university and during my masters I guess the nearest I got there was a um, a unit on photography as a research method method rather and that kind of piqued my interest in SLR photography uh, after my masters I went on a little uh, a little jaunt around America for a couple of months and came back with a heap of photos and a friend who was starting a website invited me to get involved and I suppose at the beginning it was purely you know just an opportunity to disseminate my photographs sort of see if anyone um, had any positive reaction to them Uh, and quite quickly over the next few months I started getting more involved in the editorial side of things and I guess curating uh, content a lot more so than actually focusing on just you know the stuff that I was I was working on myself so I think I did that for maybe about nine months uh, during which the other lads who'd started the site kind of generally lost interest so quite quickly it was just me running the day-to-day of it and what's the site uh, it's now it's it's defunct and got removed <laughs> from the internet it was called um, collect as a it's a shortening of the Russian word for collective, which, again, you know, makes me wince to say it. But it, it kind of had quite a nice, albeit simple, principle, and it was, uh, it was, you know, just an attempt to showcase up and coming people's work and sort of comment on uh, art, photography, culture, and such like. Uh, but one of the lads um, who'd invited me to start it. The reason he stopped uh, being involved was because he, he went off and did internships. I think he was with Dazed and Confused in London, and then he went over to New York to intern with Bomb Magazine for two months. And by the time he'd got you know a life in New York out of it, I started to I started to think to myself, I could you know I, I could have a bit of this. Maybe <laughs> maybe magazines is is the way I'd like to go. So I don't know. It was just um, I guess that kind of that's what led me into it and still we were, we were only really running an online thing um, but I always saw the, the next logical step although it's completely illogical uh, was to sort of transfer that into print media I suppose so okay. um, I guess I guess where it really got serious is when I did my first internship which was out in Milan with Domus magazine and I mean that as a as a print publication, that's got really quite a rich history, yeah. albeit one that at the time I didn't really understand the magnitude of. Right. Uh, but then again, 
it's one of those things that you talk about Domus magazine in Milan versus talking about it anywhere else in the world. The middle knees are, are incredibly proud of it. So it kind of, it means the world to them, but it's not unheard of that somebody in another country, you know, d- doesn't instantly refer to it as right. the kind of go-to design and architecture publications. So, so yeah, that was, that was my route in, I guess. Okay. Um, so did you uh, read any magazines or something, anything when you were growing up or did you just literally in the last few years, like get into magazines seriously? I mean, I, I think, I think when I was growing up, I had for a while during my mid to late teens, I think I, I got GQ a little bit for a while. Um, and that kind of, I suppose that was, that was in terms of independent magazines, that's, yeah, that's come along a lot more recently. I suppose as much as it's always cringeworthy to cite them, I guess Vice was uh, one of the publications that got me back into magazines just with its little things like, I, you know, I was working in bars part-time while I was at university and the bars I worked in would be one of the places that you'd get, you know, every month's Vice would get dropped off in. Um, yeah. Things like Don't Panic as well, which... I don't know how they got away with uh, or continue to get away with presenting themselves as a magazine because when the little brown envelopes turn up, it's posters and flyers. Like there's not, there's not really any editorial content, but I think that that always kind of some bizarre reason, at least convinced me for a while that don't panic was a magazine, um, which of course it isn't. But yeah, in terms of independent stuff, that was, I guess that really came part and parcel with, um, when I was running the site, uh, looking for, you know, inspiration pointers and uh, just to get a, a kind of a broader perspective. Right. I was out, I, I suppose a lot of them, a lot of them into now as print publications, I kind of discovered back to front in that I discovered them on the internet through their web presence and then kind of got into the print side of it. Okay. And you, uh, you interned at Boat Magazine, right? Like yes. Fairly recently. Uh, it that? was. It was in. It was from June of 2012 to December of 2012. Okay. Uh, so that was I. I did two months out in Milan with Domus. Came back to the UK. Came straight down to London. I think about a month after I moved down to London, I got the position of both. But that was. I mean that 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 one was absolutely. I think to making me completely determined that independent magazines was what I wanted to be involved in. Uh, they were as much as Domus was was great. Uh, met some great people there, and it was amazing getting an insight into the day to day running of a an operation of its magnitude. Um, in terms of my interest in you know no, not coming from a designer architecture background. Uh, it was kind of tough to to sort of pick that up from from nothing and kind of get up to speed with it. Whereas Boat was absolutely up my street in terms of its concepts, uh, its size, its kind of everything about it really struck a chord with me. And to be honest, all the time I was there, um, if they'd have offered me, if they were in a position to offer me a full time place at Boat, I'd have. I'd bitten the hand off. Uh, it's still a 
still a publication that's very dear to my heart, but I can't help but get riddled with jealousy when I think this week they're in Lima in Peru yeah, yeah. with the next issue, and it just every sing, every single time they go somewhere new, I, I feel yeah, I just I get I get cripplingly um, jealous of them. But no, it's it's it, so didn't sorry, you go, go on location for one of the yeah shows? yeah we went to we went to Athens, which is pretty amazing. Um, obviously, at the time for me, if it had been Kyoto or Reykjavik. I just struggled a little bit financially because it was unpaid at both. Um, yeah. You know, they, they were they were completely upfront with me from the start on that. So I was again, I was working in a bar to, and sleeping on people's couches just to, to sort of facilitate. I think it worked out beautifully because any far, you know, farther flung than Greece, I think I struggled a bit financially to get. Up. I mean, so that, at the time that was one of the. Rewards to the opportunity to go out on a magazine and it have the it have the on location aspect to it because I'm always keen to go to new places anyway and to sort of combine those two things is just you know it was, it was an opportunity that I wasn't going to pass up I suppose. And uh, so did the boat experience lead straight on to you coming up with the idea behind Intern? I mean, obviously uh, you were being an intern, but the magazine aspect of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, when it first, when I first started contemplating doing something of my own, uh, it wasn't like it. It had been a plan for a while. Um, it was more like when my time at boat was sort of running down, we'd got the Athens issue out. Um, the understanding from the start was that I basically joined them for an issue, which is great. It's great for me because you know to see. To sit there and at very close quarters see the entire process from planning all the way through to inception to release was was exactly what I was after. Um, but having worked with these people day in day out for seven months, um, kind of coming to terms with the fact that it was time to leave and move on was not something I uh, I coped with very well. So rather like a bad breakup, I kind of hung around a little bit. Um, you know, I knew there was nothing for me to do, but you know, credit to Davey and Aaron, they they were, uh, were always and have and continue to always be really supportive. So, you know, they let me come in and use the studio. Um, and, you know, the, the, it wasn't, I was in a situation where I'd done nine months of internships. I couldn't really afford to keep working unpaid, you know, certainly not in London um, or anywhere similarly expensive to live. And, you know, that it, it it's not like that nine months had made me seemingly any more employable um, in terms of, you know, there wasn't that that job out there um, that seemed attainable that was working for a magazine, certainly not a magazine that I was, you know, really interested and passionate to work at. So I started toying with the idea of, um, of starting something myself, mainly as a means of continuing my involvement in the industry. And... The more I tried to come up with different stuff, the more this intern concept just kept returning. And I kind of uh, once I'd once I'd kind of once I'd made my mind up, I got half an hour with Davy, and we, we sort of went into the uh, the meeting room, and I pitched it to him. And you know, there were a few <laughs> there were more than a few rough edges, I suppose, to to the idea, and we had a 
a really interesting back and forth about everything from like the cost of it to what the sort of content would be. Um, and I suppose that was the point where I really started to seriously contemplate it. But it wasn't until I think it was the second week of January um, last year I moved up back up to Manchester um, and the kind of the idea behind that was very much I'm going to give this a go. Uh, it's uh, having lived up in Manchester for five years before I'd gone off to do the internships. Um, I at least thought, well, I've got a few more, a few fresh faces up here whose couches I can stay on for a couple of months. Um, people who aren't yet at the end of their tether with me. Uh, and, and just in terms of like the living expenses, um, studio hire, things like that. Um, it just, it was a move that made at least exploring the prospects of the project uh, okay. a lot more viable, I suppose. So um, for those that aren't uh, familiar with Intern, can you just, just run through the idea from like the first idea that you had into the finished product? Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose my first idea was that I probably wasn't the only person in the situation that at, the, at the time I found myself in. Um, and I guess, I don't know if I alluded to it much before, but when I first you know, started applying for internships, I had no idea what the, what the kind of loose understanding was in terms of how long you had to do them for until realistically you then became employable. Um, I just kind of dived into it. And while, to be fair, I didn't get, I can't complain, I don't think I got particularly badly burned, certainly compared to a lot of the tales I've, uh, I've heard since. But it just struck me that if a publication could exist that would at least demystify uh, the sort of lie of the land in terms of internships for people who were maybe at that stage where they were about to get involved right. with internships or they were contemplating it, then it could only be a good thing. I suppose from there, um, the challenge was to try and come up with a way of making the internship, internships as a theme um, appealing right. in, a, in, a, in a magazine sense to make it work in that it's quite, it, it's one of those subjects that if you've been an intern or if you're concerned about it or if you know, you're aware of it, then yes, maybe you're interested in it. But the challenge from the magazine point of view is to kind of broaden that audience, I suppose. So to make it, um, approachable and the way we or the way I ended up deciding to try and do that was to split it into two kind of to, to have two main objectives one being the, the kind of oft used uh, showcase of talent but restricting it to people who were at that stage of their career so if they weren't interns at the at the moment they were otherwise unpaid and working in the creative industries and the second half of it focuses on an attempt to initiate and sustain a debate about internships and intern culture. Um, I kind of, that was something that I really felt wasn't happening. Um, and that it was almost like a, a, bit, a quite a hush hush affair, which considering the huge volumes of people who were coming straight out of university or even while still studying, just gleefully working for free, it, it seemed odd to me that nobody was, prepared to sort of take the subject on right. talk about it because so. it's quite a bold bold move in some respects that like one person's taking on this 
kind of the voice of interns worldwide and put yeah, it into well, a magazine? Do you feel like pressure about like doing that? Well, that was that was something that you know that that was a real when it came to sort of defining the concepts and also working out how I suppose what the tone of the magazine would be. That was certainly a concern because the last that you know the the easy way that you could you could sort of piggyback this subject, I suppose is to just berate x y and z for running awful like you know there'd be no i'd never have any trouble nor would anyone else finding people who feel like they've had a really bad deal out of an internship now for me i just felt that that was that wasn't going to be at all constructive Mm. Um, it's quite a negative well there can be a negative like aspect to internship yeah yeah it's it's great that you've been able to turn it around and make it like a positive well, well, that's the thing. I, I, I figured if, if you were, you know, if, if one of the things we're doing is trying to, you know, highlight the excellent standard of some of these people's work, then to kind of have that counter, sort of countered by a load of pointless negative sentiment, it right. devalues that as well. So, right. it's, you know, it was always going to, and it always will be, an attempt to constructively and positively look at the subject as a whole. That's not to say that there aren't elements of the magazine that, um, you know, explore opinions that aren't necessarily behind unpaid internships or paid internships. There are there's always a constant effort to, to give a broad um, array of perspectives and views so that as a reader, you can kind of, you know, if you can connect with the visual side of it, great. If that then draws you in, to this discussion that's going on even better right. if you can read one thing and think oh okay okay so internships are good and then you can read something else and go oh god no no that's changed my mind completely <laughs> and perfect so yeah. it's just I, I suppose it's just an attempt to kind of get people thinking i'm not i'm not looking to influence anyone's decision right. or make up anyone's mind it's more giving people the tools to kind of consciously negotiate their way through whatever stage of their you know career they might be at yeah because i remember when you you first got in contact with me i can't remember when it was maybe may Mm -hmm. last year like quite soon into the project and uh yeah to be honest like first of all and like intern as a subject i thought it's a bit of a like a strange magazine concept i've never been an intern and I've, i've kind of never been in contact with internships but yeah seeing that first like a zero issue zero just seeing like how you presented interns and the work they're doing and like the, the structure of the magazine, I think it's it's turned into a product that anyone can pick up and enjoy, even mm-hmm. if it's called intern and it's about interns. Yeah. It's it's basically yeah, it's quite a, a generic, not generic, but you know, like a a well-rounded magazine that anyone can read um, mm. and get, yeah, as as you say, like start a debate or maybe think about interning and see different sides of it and. I think it's packaged really well. Thank you. Well, I mean, the, for us, the I guess the one of the things that appealed to me about magazines as a as an entity is their kind of their power to engage people on a variety of different levels, and that's where I it struck me that something like a subject as dry, if you will, as internships and unapproachable, whereas there's always an important need for things like activist groups 
there, you know, through all the social media channeling in the world, there's always that kind of tone of message will only resonate with a certain amount of people. Whereas with a magazine, if you can, as I said to you before, like everything from the the design to the photos, I mean, I, I'm, I work on a relatively rough assumption that 90% of people who go browsing for magazines will go, go into a store, they'll pick up something that they like, they're intri- intrigued by the cover of, pick it up, flick through it, you generally stop at the pictures. If you like the look of the pictures, Maybe if you're odd like me, you give it a little bit of a smell and then you go and pay <laughs> whatever, you know, 15 quid or whatever. There's quite a few smellers in, yeah. <laughs> around so, it. <laughs> so that was the thing. Like for me, I figured if we could, if we could kind of, it was a challenge on the one hand to try and prove that you could make a magazine comprising of, you know, mostly work by this subset of people who for me work quite extensively behind the scenes of a lot of magazines without getting real credit Um, but also if we could make something that would appeal to people on a visual level um, and just get them if you know pick it up and you think it's beautiful and you take it home even if weeks later you maybe read an article and get into it and be like okay and it just makes you it's a kind of a far softer introduction into the debate and the hope is that that kind of ever so steadily you know I'm not I never thought for a second and I'm not claiming this will change the world overnight, but if it just draws a few more people into thinking about it and then, you know, maybe then invokes a bit more of a reaction out of them when the latest internship thing is going through the news, if it means people have a sustained kind of consciousness of it, then that can only be positive, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, you, you, you create issue zero and then mm-hmm. threw that on Kickstarter. And yeah. um, I mean, Kickstarter is becoming kind of a, a very decent way of starting a new magazine and mm-hmm. making sure that you get enough orders for the first issue to yeah, be yeah. viable to print and everything like that. Um, yeah. How was your Kickstarter uh, experience? And do you find that it was, I mean, obviously it was successful because it got mm-hmm. funded, but do you find that it's a good like starting point for people who are, like looking to start a new magazine? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you say, since we did it, uh, particularly in the UK, I think it's kind of picked up a good amount of uh, momentum. I mean, I was first introduced to Kickstarter when I was out in Domus, and there was a Kickstarter element to the Design Week exhibition that Domus put on. And although they were more focused on product design, it very much... Uh, made me aware of this you know that great potential there and the the kind of I think what makes it so appealing for magazine makers is that glorious creative freedom where you essentially pitch your idea completely on your own terms and then put it out there if people you know if it resonates with people and they connect with it then all of a sudden you've you know you've got your initial capital you've sold some magazines essentially essentially, you know pre-ordering which is which is great it's a great means of you know, while, while it's not one that you can take overly seriously, it's a nice way of kind of testing your market as well, mm. seeing if people are going to pick up on the concept. Now, if we had have launched that Kickstarter and it hadn't have happened, it would have been a tough decision because I'd have put, I think by that time, five, six months work into it. Right. But realistically speaking, I would have then been a bit of a madman to go and try and print 2,000, 3,000 of them. Right. And, you know, kind of like, oh, 
well, you know, just because it didn't work on Kickstarter doesn't mean people <laughs> weren't buying it. You know, it, it would yeah. have, you know, it would have served Dan, I suppose, as a as a wake up call. But you know, but you yeah. know, off screen was a Kickstarter that failed, and then he, uh, Kai launched it a few months later anyway. And I did not, I did not know that. Yeah, word. and it's a completely different from his first. That if you look at the Kickstarter page, it's completely different. But I mean, not completely different, but it looks different, different product. But obviously, he launched that, and it's been a wild success. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, off screen was was certainly in terms of you know, in in many aspects, off screen was a, was a big influence on into um, not least with its sponsorship model. Mm. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I knew I knew Ryan had launched Hello Mister yeah. on there, um, and I kind of feel like let me think of his name. Um, Day job was another one that yeah, yeah. I Elliot. took a close look at because Elliot, because both of those guys had absolutely, they made I think they, it was in the it's in the tens and twenty thousand dollar <laughs> mark, which which for me I, it just it absolutely blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so but both of those guys, I sort of like email back and forth leading up to the Kickstarter. They were of you know, of great assistance. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty it's pretty nerve wracking, but amazing experience i suppose like you say like with it with it succeeding um you know it was clearly all worthwhile i think the the big thing for us though was the the press attention that it picked up right. and yeah you in know. high in in hindsight having issue zero for that was pretty what what initially started out as just a kind of it was more because it's really difficult to try and sell something that doesn't yet exist yeah. initially the idea of issue one was just to give people some kind of frame of reference for what we were about because when i was starting to try and find contributors for example i was just a guy emailing him with an idea out of the blue and it's it's all very well and good but i guess if you're you know if you're a designer photographer illustrator you're young yeah of course you want exposure for your work but you don't want it to be in some horrific publication yeah. that you just you just don't agree with the design aesthetic of so i mean that was fundamental in establishing i suppose everything from i guess what you an umbrella term you'd call our brand um, and the fact that that got picked up particularly by us press uh, primarily because there was a load of fuss on at the time about the black swan um lawsuit right it just we kind of surreptitiously kind of piggybacked a lot of that yeah. further and it worked out a, a, in, in terms of like I say establishing the brand um, I think that had a big role to play in successfully selling sponsorships for the first issue so it, it's all it was almost like while the while getting the funding was amazing um, a lot of the the kind of side effects of it were also pretty key to the project moving forward at the pace it did right. once it was out there that said you know when i started in january i thought i'd be thought i'd have the first issue out by may and it you know it came out in october so <laughs> not to not to not to say that the pace of it was was frighteningly quick or anything but just you know from from like from an idea to a final product i guess it's okay 10 months but yeah i think so um so you had uh, i think it was 347 backers Yes, I believe um, that. <laughs> um, and that's kind of grown, and you have quite a following on like social media. Mm-hmm. So you kind of 
blew up stacks recent <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I still feel I still feel a element of, uh, of guilt there. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know I, I, I kind of I think my my, my sentiment remains that you know we talked to our social media and kind of appealed for people to vote to us because we cared about it mm. so you know while it might not be the most uh, scientifically stable way of uh, you know working out what is actually the magazine of the year right. um, it was something that you know an accolade that I was I, I would have felt incredibly proud to to, to claim and to be honest, we couldn't really claim it at the end, but it was, it was, again, it's, you know, it's like all of these things, the, the beauty of them, when you get over the kind of who wins, who loses, a lot of people fail to realize that the winners are in fact all of the magazines yeah. that even get mentioned. And that's the whole point of them that they, you know, get people talking about independent magazines. But sadly, as, as you know, to your own uh, detriment, that's not always the way people take these things but the less said about that the better (laughs) so um you have quite a decent following then Mm -hmm. um do you find that uh or do you think that you're like the community you're building around the magazine it is having an effect on say the intern sphere do you think Um, people care like about changing maybe the negativity as we talked about earlier about intern or are they they're more interested in like reading the magazine and seeing what kind of interns are doing around the world. Do you, well, have you seen a change at all or any sort um, of? I suppose it's, it's it's kind of tough to kind of tough to gauge um, what effect it's having outside of social media because social media is, is social media. It's very kind of it's it's a little you know it's a, a little world of its own. Um, I think. One of the reasons we have a strong following on the likes of Facebook and Twitter is a lot of our followers are, ju- are just it's the kids who they're studying and they've done a couple of internships or they're about to do internships or they've done internships in the past and feel aggrieved. And a lot of people, um, or at least the sentiment that they express, is that they're just really, really pleased that there's now a kind of a recognized forum and I suppose home in a sense for, for for some of these people. And of course, you know, one of the limitations of the magazine, it being print, it being biannual, there's only so many people you can fit in. Right. So I suppose while it's really difficult to sort of chart the effects outside of social media of, you know, of the magazine or any of the sort of, little campaigns we do it's kind of easier to see how being in the magazine affects our contributors and that's you know that's something that's always very important to me um i think we had so maybe 36 contributors in the first issue and uh, everything from making sure we pay them all um down to you know that it being something solid that goes on their portfolio and a statement of intent whereby that it's paid work for a lot of them it was the first time that they'd done an invoice so you know I, I was in exactly the same position two or three months prior to that so it was a really nice that's really good thing to to, to at least hope that you know the, the other big positive of course was that 
to my knowledge, they were all really pleased with the final thing, which is of, of great importance to me. It made it made me an absolute devil child to the designers because I'd often send kind of almost finished stuff to contributors be like oh so what do you think and they'd be like oh i hate it you've spelled my name wrong. like the little things like you know somebody's surname would, would be misspelled at the time and they just lose their mind and be like i can't i can't believe you'd print two thousand things with my names but and you know so i'm i'm in the middle of getting it in the ear from them and the, the designers go like, what, what, why, why would you show them when it's not finished but in the end i think you know they were all pretty pleased to be in it for some of them uh through kind of the the network that they're out that they're now part of, and I don't mean in the social media sense, and that being associated with us and some of the other people that we worked with, I know a couple of them have got paid commissions off the back of it. Okay. One of the lads, Jack, um, illustrated for Hawk magazine okay. because the Shiva's only lads are designing a few of those at the moment. Uh, Vincey, who did some illustration for us as well, she got commissioned to do, and this one's a really lovely one. She got commissioned to design the logo for a group called Interns Australia, which was co-founded by Colleen, a girl who was the editorial assistant on the first issue. So it kind okay. of in the wake of being involved with Intern, she kind of, she, she set this up and to then go and commission one of our other contributors is just right. like this music to my ears. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's very nice. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're kind of coming up on time. Um, just wanted to ask you about issue two. Obviously, yeah. if it's biannual, you need to be kind of, what, October, April, April time. Um, I think it's going to be. I think it's. Gonna, I think. I think I might have to change it to the next one. Say roughly biannual, but um, <laughs> I think that we're aiming for. We're aiming to have it back from the printers middle of May, so okay. it should be out in May. Um, okay. Our mutual friend Steve will play absolute hell with me if it's not done by the second <laughs> week of May. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm probably I'm probably leaving it way too late again. We start we've opened submissions yeah. uh, last week, which is a different a different way of going around things than the first time. Obviously, that was primarily me and a couple of the editorial assistants just kind of sourcing people, contacting people. So this is another another wacky experiment in that respect, and that you know it's inevitably going to be a real mixed bag of stuff. The hope is that there's some some really interesting things some uh, from what we've got so far some of it is really really strong so i'm positive uh, i'm hopeful about it but quite i guess this is where the joy comes in making a magazine having that being at that stage where you don't really know what form it's going to take yet um but it's the the piecing together of it that uh, i guess for me where it gets really interesting so i've got a clue what's going to be in it at this point we've got some <laughs> some of our some of our kind of industry names that we're chasing. Um, some I've successfully wooed, others I'm I'm stalking and okay. uh, trying to bully into being part of it. But <laughs> I'm relatively confident um, that we'll be able to put something something together that's very much a kind of uses issue one as a, a building block and then just keeps right. moving forward. I don't want it to become uh, I don't want it to become stale. Um, I think the kind of there are two ways you can look at internships as a subject matter. You can either have the same debate over and over again, which is like unpaid, intern, you know, fair or not fair, or you can try and really run with it and just see where it will go. And the hope is that by 
having a really broad international base of contributors um, and kind of constantly being open to new ideas, which is, you know, hopefully the beauty of the open submissions that we'll be able to take it in places that, you know, that I wouldn't have even, you know, I could sit here till I was blue in the face, till I was 80 something and wouldn't come up with. That's kind of the, the real power, I suppose, of of having a kind of a, an open brief for people. But okay. it might turn out to be shocking. I might have to start emailing <laughs> people. Again, I'm, I'm sure, you'll be, sure you'll be fine. So do you have a URL for this submi- submissions court? Um, um, yeah, I think, it is, I think it's intern-mag forward slash submissions hyphen guidelines forward slash, I think. Um, <laughs> okay. But if you, if I'll you, put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I'll if, definitely if, put it in there. It's in, it's it's on the site. If you go down to uh, just below the main news stories, it says uh, submit here to our online talent section, and all of the okay. all of the description of what to do and how to do it's in there. So. Okay. Cool. So um, I asked you to prepare your list of three magazine recommendations. Please give me your first one. Uh, so first one, I'm going to go for Another Escape, uh, which is a very, it's kind of like a little, uh, it's almost, this This could almost, this could quite easily have become the Another Escape boat intern show because <laughs> I met um, I met Rachel uh, from Another Escape maybe about a month or so before I finished at boat. She started at boat. Okay. Uh, and at the time, another escape. They'd made her and Jody had made a couple of really beautiful, um, like self-published editions. Um, really, um, she. I mean, she's a she's an amazing illustrator. He's a stunning photographer and a great graphic designer. So, whereas I kind of barged into this whole magazine business without a clue what what to do, that they already had. You know, they they were on the right lines. It was just a case of for them just. I think for her working a boat was a really nice opportunity to just see what a slightly expanded version of what they were doing looks like. And I mean, in terms okay. of what they've pulled off, it's, I mean, I, as you know, it, it quite rightly got an honorable mention in the best magazine design yeah. in the Magpile Awards. And that, I mean, that I was, I was over the moon <laughs> to see that quite rightly. It's, it's a really, really elegantly put together uh, publication. I think the beauty of it is that its its concept is mirrored so perfectly in its design that it has such a it's it has a real it's it's so calming to read and it's it kind of it it makes you it it kind of links you helplessly to the outdoors and the kind of the pursuit of all the you know the creative uh, exploits that that you can get involved with so yeah I'm just I'm incredibly proud to have worked with Rach um, and every every issue that comes out as soon as as soon as you can pre-order it I pre-order it and it's every <laughs> single time it's, it's absolutely yeah. cracking so. it's a firm fan favourite at indeed. least on Magpile um, <laughs> so what's your second one uh, second one I'm going to go for is a little bit different, and it is Purple Fashion Magazine, which is I don't know if you've had the pleasure. I've got a Purple Fashion it's, before. But. It's <laughs> absolutely gigantic. It costs uh, what is it on here? It's forty US dollars in the yeah. cover price. So it's um, 
I don't know. This is where I guess in a in an odd way going back to my uh, teenage magazine roots, the days of the days of uh, of GQ and the such like this. I mean, is it's an unapologetically uh, grandiose fashion magazine. Um, its size straight away. Its um, its art direction design. It's just stunningly lavish you, you know you still have a third of it is still made up of adverts <laughs> yeah. as per as per every fashion <laughs> publication but i mean the design is um it's beautifully bold the photography is always incredible and i don't know it, it has a because it's so ludicrously expansive it kind of it, by design alone it just it it offers a lot more than a lot of it, for me anyway, a lot more kind of twists and turns that your average fashion magazine uh, involves. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's one of those that I will always, no matter what we do with intern, I think I will, I'll often fawn across at the latest issue of Purple and just go, oh, God, it's so beautiful. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, if you're, I don't know, if you're, if you're after a, a fashion magazine with a little bit more to it, it's, yeah. it's absolutely great. Okay, and your third recommendation is uh, is Moose magazine, Moose. as in the the food, not the animal. Yes, food, <laughs> not. Um, and Moose are a Italian, a Milan-based contemporary art magazine. Um, little did I know while I was at Boat that their offices were ten minutes walk from mine. Okay. Um, if I'd have known that, I'd have I'd have certainly gone and. About their ear. Uh, I met I met them back in March of 2013. So I was kind of I was playing. I was I kind of refined the idea for the project, but I was looking to bounce it off um, a few people at the time. Uh, I think this was pre issue zero, so before I, I spoke to you about it. Okay, and. I was visiting Milan to go back and see everyone that I'd uh, known while I was at Domus. Managed to get a meeting with Eduardo, the editor-in-chief, and because of its kind of, because it's a contemporary art magazine and run by Italians, I was just like, this guy, the guy's going to be 50-something. <laughs> he's going to have horn-rimmed glasses on. He's just going to tell me everything he wants to tell me about contemporary art criticism. And, you know, at least I'll get to see the inside of their office. The guy's <laughs> like, the guy's like, he's... I mean, if he's if he's thirty, I'd be amazed. He looks like he's about fifteen. Super, super clever, super switched on. Um, and I mean, one of the things, again, as I probably alluded to before, I'm quite, I'm incredibly visually driven, and this for me, it's like quite large format. Yeah. Um, and it always has a colour cover, and then the paid the content is printed on newsprint. And I have to this day, like having having dabbled with newsprint with issue zero, um, I still to this day haven't seen anyone pull it off so consistently, brilliantly. And it almost, because of the tone of the content, because of the design, it's, they somehow elevate it from a newsprint publication. It, it's, it's absolutely baffling, but it's, it's a kind of really, uh, I mean, the content's beautifully written as well. Really, really sort of great art criticism and um, and discussion and you know again that's some some lovely design and lovely photography 
and they're also they're, they're really nice people they gave me a load of free stuff when i was there which was, including including one, one thing that they uh, they also sought me out with was the issue i was showing you before i bought off their online store like six weeks before hadn't received it so as i was as i was heading out the door i was like oh by the way could i get that one as well because I, I bought it and it queue like five or six minutes of like a frantic back and forth in Italian and still not speaking any Italian. Was, oh, I've got somebody in some seriously hot water here, but sure enough, sure enough everyone was, was smiling and, and happy at the end of it. So, so yeah. Well, thanks for that. Three great recommendations. Um, so where can, just at the end, where can people find Interm online? Uh, it where can, can they buy it? Yeah, it can always be bought uh, on our website. Uh, which is intern-mag.com um, and also on there you'll find a list of stockists which I do my best to keep updated there would I would have I would have added that it was I found out today after many uh, unanswered emails that it did in fact go on sale in Japan and it's now sold out so <laughs> fortunately if, you, if, if you're in Japan until they until the mysterious lady who hasn't emailed me in two months <laughs> emails me again to reorder, I'm afraid it's it's not there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, relatively widely available. But I'm always I'm always if anyone has any suggestions of stores near them that they'd like to see it in, I'm, I'm for for lack of better judgment, I decided to distribute this one myself. So <laughs> I'm always looking for tips or new custom. Okay, and uh, on Twitter, this is intern. Mm-hmm. And the same for Facebook, and the same and for Instagram, which we have recently started to okay. try and litter. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, we'll get there in the end. We're not. We're not. We're not quite a uh, the force that we are on the other ones yet. On <laughs> Instagram. So I'm working on it. Okay, and uh, do you have a personal Twitter if anyone wants to follow you? I do, but it's filled with absolute nonsense for the most part. But it's uh, <laughs> Alec Dudson. Okay. Nice and simple. Nice and easy to remember. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a complex man. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Alec, and uh, good luck with yeah. issue two. I really look forward to seeing it, hopefully in May. Yeah, let's see. If we all cross our fingers, then maybe <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Alec. Super. Thank Speak you, Dan. Take care. Bye.